Thomas Loster. It's over already. Hey, whiz, man. I got nervous because I'm talking to Cody Allen right now. Knock the camera over. How are you, buddy? <laughs> what happened? Would you just slip in the swivel chair? Or what? Uh, something happened. The computer fell over. I'm going through my webcam. Life's falling apart for me, man. I got nervous. It's Cody Allen, guys. How are uh, you, dude? I, I, thank you for having me. I'm, I'm thrilled to be on your podcast. Now, will people see us or will they just hear us? They will see us on YouTube. They will hear us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Wow. So they can see that studio behind you, which you've set up. How long did it take you to get that together at the house? Uh, we had uh, five day laborers and myself, and this was a good, uh, I think 45 minutes, as you can tell in the background. Yeah. So, and dude, let's be honest. If, you, if you're listening to this online, this guy's so pro that he's got the whole CMT set behind him. Totally trying I mean, to show me up. It's ridiculous. I had to, I mean, I do everything, not everything, but a lot of things out of the house now. So like, we actually, yeah, you can't see this, but there's a mic here. I do the radio stuff here. And then I see if I can turn this around. Um, and then over on the other side of the room, we'll have a dog, first of all. Teddy. Teddy's down here. Yep. He has got the cone on. The cone. Of oh, poor guy. I lost you. I lost this guy completely. For two clowns that work in radio, look at us right now. Just I can't hear you. Did you mute yourself? Oh, sorry. There we go. Uh, the dog. Dude, There's the hey, dog. how long have you worked in radio? <laughs> this is the camera. We've got like a full-on setup in this little room. This used to be the guest room in the house. Yeah. And now uh, it's, it's where I work, which is like so many people across the country. Like we've figured out how to like make this happen. So, yeah, <clears throat> it's not weird to have a bed and a camera in the same room, is it, JR? Not anymore. Not anymore. Okay. I'm looking right at my bed, so we're good. Yeah. Um, by the way, anybody who's watching on YouTube is probably sick to their stomachs after that little camera escapade. Sorry. Sorry about that. And, and no, mine as well, because mine fell over. We muted each other on there. So we do work in broadcasting, ladies and gentlemen. We actually do know what we're doing. Um, what year is this for you in broadcasting, Cody? Oh, my God. I think it's um, year 57. No, come on. Yeah, I think so. Uh, I don't even know. I, I've lost count. I honestly have. I started when I was 15. So did you have the same story where you started out really, really young? 20. Okay. So I was, ever since I can remember, I always... I'm 25 now. So it's been five years. Five years. Yeah. No, uh, I knew early, like I wanted to be on the radio or I wanted to do television. I thought for a little while I wanted to be like a meteorologist um, and be a TV guy um, and tell the weather. And I used to like make these cardboard like weather maps for my parents and I would like tell them where the frontal system was going and wow. this kind of and then I discovered like I love music my dad was a huge music fan so he had like a wall in my parents bedroom of nothing but vinyl records and he used to play them all the time of course so I was surrounded by music and I really fell in love with like the idea of the DJs telling the stories behind the songs and the artists and so I got really captured by radio and I decided at 15 that I was going to um, march down to my local radio station and, and tell them I wanted to be on the radio and see what happened. And sure enough, I got really lucky. The guy uh, who owned the station was also the morning like DJ, like you. Uh, and he was so nice to let me in and said, Hey, can you, uh, I said, can I start? Can, what can I do? I'll do anything. I'll clean bathrooms. I'll uh, help the DJs with whatever they need. Um, I'll make you know, copies of whatever. Um, I can work all those things. And he was like, Oh, okay. You can work here for the summer. So it started out that simple. I worked for the summer at this little radio station, in my hometown in Columbia, South Carolina. And then someone got sick on the weekends, mm. one of the DJs, and they knew I wanted to be on the air. So they called me and I got to do like the graveyard shift on a like Saturday night, Sunday morning kind of thing. And the rest is history. I love that. I love that. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of broadcasters with that story who, I mean, you, a lot of successful people in general that just said, you know, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to go knock on someone's door. Or I'm going to knock on a studio's door and see what happens. And then, yeah, the, the olden days is like, hey, you don't want to get sick because next guy up, you know, it's kind of the <laughs> right. next guy was waiting for you. And if they were good, you were in trouble. So um, I feel the same way now. Don't yeah. you feel the same way now about it? I mean, well, contracts it, help never, a little bit. Yeah, that does help. But it, I do think that there is something that's always a little uh, insecure, especially in our, our world right now. It's showbiz. 
you're always like thinking, oh my gosh, am I keeping up? Am I, there's always an anxiousness involved with everything you do. And unlike lots of other kinds of work, it all comes down to the last show you did, the last break you did, the last thing you posted anymore. Like, you know, it's all social yeah. media related now. So um, yeah, there's a little bit of that same kind of tension that's always there. Like, oh, Oh, this this guy's pretty good too. <laughs> yeah. Let's keep let's keep going. We got to recreate and, and reinvent over and over again because you just never know who's uh, who's creeping up on you. Absolutely, yeah, I, I feel that way too. Sometimes I do feel like that you do build up some equity though as well, and you hopefully have that with your company or uh, your portfolio if you want to call it that. Of you know what, there's a guy we can depend on and we can do this, and maybe we don't want to start over with somebody else. But then you right. get to the other side of it where this guy's just been a pain in the ass for so many years. Who is next? Who do we got next? And uh, you're a guy, Cody. I, I would say that I've never met anybody that had a bad thing to say about you. Now, I don't know a lot of people, so that might be why. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, no, but I've never met a guy or a person who's ever said anything bad about you uh, in this business, man or woman in this business has said anything bad about you. But it's really neat because I think you are one of a really true, genuine people um, from the first time you and I've interacted. I just felt like someone who's, you know, in this business, you meet people that you just kind of get a vibe that they're looking for, for something from you. And that's why they're talking yeah. to you. And yeah. uh, for you, man, it just was a, it was kind of just a cool uh, hang. And it was just like, you were, you were so nice for me to be able to pick your brain about, you know, your career and you're doing this podcast right now as well, but also just uh, you're a real genuine guy. And I think that um, you should give yourself credit for that and why you've been so successful in this business with CMT with, uh, yeah. After Midnight with Cody Allen. I mean, you just, I, I feel like uh, good guys don't always finish last, man. You really are a genuine dude. I appreciate that. That means a ton to me. I, I think it, it comes from, you know, like I said, I grew up in South Carolina. I really didn't have a whole lot growing up. My parents, you know, they uh, raised us in a house where we were definitely, I, I didn't know till later on that we had no money, but because uh, they always treated life That's like good parents. Yeah, it's good parents. They, they were, we were rich and in love and mm. uh, they gave us, you know, almost anything they could. And we always, I, I never had a moment where I thought we don't have anything. I got, um, you know, my first like boom box, jam box back in the right. day with the, the double cassette player. Hey now. And, uh, I, that was probably the, one of the best gifts I ever got on a Christmas morning. Um, but I never, I never had a moment where I wanted, uh, I always felt like I, I lived my, my parents raised us in sort of this rich, loving environment. So um, not having a whole lot makes you appreciate what you do have. I mean, that's obvious. That sounds cliche, but I do think that that is part of the reason why I just always, I've had to work for everything. So I always like to treat, and look, a lot of people, like I said before, the, the guy who gave me my first job, I always feel like people have opened the door for me along the way. So whenever someone comes along and like has questions like you, when I met you, like, I'm always like, let me help you. What, what, what can I, you know, and that's right. just who I am. It's just who right. I am. I don't, I, and I don't come to any of this with any pretensions or arrogance. Uh, it really is just, I, I, I genuinely am trying all the time just to stay humble and, and be good to the people around me and those I meet. So I hope it comes, to, I know it comes from a really true place. Um, and I hope it means something. I was talking to people, um, uh, earlier today when I was talking about doing this podcast, I was like, JR is like the one is like the guy from high school. Everybody loves <laughs> like, you remember that, that one person, that one person who was like funny. He's like, got it. His everything together. Uh, he's like the jock who like is super popular with the girls. Oh boy. Uh, you're all those things. You're like that all around um, superstar guy. Oh, and so, and that's, you've always been that way to me and I, I, I love you to death. So I appreciate you saying nice things too. That's sweet. Right back at you. I don't know who the hell you were talking to and why they didn't shut you down immediately when you started saying that because. No, it's one of my producers earlier. I was like, Hey, I'm doing this podcast with JR who I've known for years and yeah. this is who he is. He's like, he's so likable and cool. Um, so I couldn't say no. I appreciate it. Well, we talked about uh, you uh, starting in radio, but tell me how you made your connection with uh, CMT. How did that start? So it's a really good story. I, um, I did a lot of radio for years and years. I got my first like big radio job when I was like 23 years old. Um, and I moved to Dallas, Texas, and it was like a, ma you know, obviously a major market. You're from California, right? Originally. Yep. 
Orange County, right between Los Angeles and San Diego, Orange County. All right, gotcha. Uh, Tampa, uh, you've done San Antonio, I know. Um, Orlando. Orlando, because I worked in Orlando too. Yeah, so San Diego, Diego, Orlando, San Antonio to to Tampa. Were you K92 in Orlando? Correct. Okay, me too. Did you know that? Yeah, we've talked about that. I thought so. Um, I'm glad our conversations mean so much to you, Cody. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I did remember that though. I remember you were a no, K92 guy as well, but I did, uh, I got that job. And then within like a year of being at K92, I got discovered by a person in Dallas who brought me onto a station in Dallas, Texas. And it was the third place radio station at the time, third place country radio station at the time in Dallas. And so a lot of people thought I was like making a mistake because it was like, Oh gosh, you're going to like a ratings loser. And uh, within a few uh, months, I got moved to the morning show. And again, I was 23. It was like, what am I doing? I had no idea. I was so naive and stupid and trying to figure out radio at the time. Um, And uh, I had pretty good chops, but I did not know how to do a morning show, you know, because like you, you know, you're the ringmaster if you're the host. And then you have all these characters around you and how you bring those people in, what those conversations sound like. It is challenging. So figuring that out every single day. And by the way, at three in the morning, uh, you know, when you're waking up yep. and trying to do that by five and be perky and uh, alive for people. So it's challenging, but so fun. So I loved it. Um, shortly after I arrived there again, third place country radio station in town, they hired a new program director and moved him in from Atlanta. He was a rock and roll pop guy. And so we all thought the format was changing. So we had no idea who this person was. Uh, turns out, he said, we're going to keep country music as uh, the station's format. And I was one of the only guys they kept around. There were a couple others. Uh, but for the most part, he fired the whole staff, but kept it country, renamed the station The Wolf, 99.5 The Wolf in Dallas, Fort Worth, Texas. And of course, it went on to be like a legendary, uh, branded, big time country music station, soon to be number one in the market and still is 20 years later. So um, I was very lucky to be like a founding member of that crew and to learn lots and lots of stuff from a brilliant guy named Brian Phillips, who was that PD they moved in from Atlanta to revamp the whole thing. Um, Brian later went to CMT. Wow. So when Brian um, decided along with everyone at MTV and Viacom, which is my parent company, they, uh, Brian was going to start a, a radio division of CMT. And so they started you know, uh, scouting around for who might be great for this jo- that job. Brian knew I was a hard worker. He knew I was humble and smart and whatever. And um, for whatever reason, he called me and said, hey, do you want to do the radio thing at CMT? And I'm like, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. So I totally got hired to do radio there uh, without any promises about television. By the way, I talk about all this in the book. I've got a whole chapter on the wolf and I talk about how I got the job with CMT and how it kind of led its way into television. But long story short, there were producers in the building at CMT and by the elevators, they would put these um, photos of uh, whatever TV show was hot, like Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders or the top 20 countdown. And they put the faces of the hosts on there. And so for about a week, they put my face on these little things by the elevators to, to announce the radio part of CMT, the new CMT radio show. And so there were some producers in the building who saw that picture of me and thought, well, he's not that ugly. Maybe, <laughs> maybe we could use him for something. And, if the light um, right, we could. If, the, <laughs> if we get him in some nice lighting, yeah. uh, and he keeps the hat on, maybe we could make something out of this person. So um, sure enough, I got the chance to host a, a movie show on the weekends. And then I started doing like, you know, uh, talking head kind of things where I'd come in and talk about country music or news stories or whatever. Eventually it led to, um, uh, the, the, the countdown show and CMT's sort of flagship signature music show on the weekends, hot 20 countdown. And so I started doing that, uh, within a few years of being there. So I, I just, um, yeah, I, I did have to earn it though. <laughs> like oh, for sure. I, I'd never even worked teleprompter before. Yeah. Like I didn't know. And I had to learn all that on a national TV channel. Right. So it was, it was very much, uh, it was very much a learning curve, but I'll tell you radio helped a whole lot. Like knowing spon- spontaneously how to think on your feet, how to, you know, 
speak one-on-one -on -one with people, um, just getting used to looking in the camera and doing it rather than looking at a human being or at a microphone yeah. um, was a little bit challenging, but it really was, um, it kind of happened organically, to be honest with you. And I'm, I'm proud it happened the way it did uh, because the bosses there, they didn't like say, oh, you got, we do, you're going to do radio and you're going to do TV. They were like, yeah. no, no, you're doing radio and just focus on that. And then the other stuff just kind of happened naturally. So I was happy it happened that way, you know, and not just some like, hey, we're going to, you know, bring you in because you, you look good. In fact, I didn't look good, but they still found a way to make Stop. me a star. So, uh, yeah, it was, uh, that's what happened. That's great, man. That's a great story, too. And I think what you were saying, too, about uh, how to think on your feet and having the radio background. I'll probably have a newscaster on this podcast at some point, but newscasters, you watch them come off the teleprompter and they are lost. They don't know where to go with the radio side of it. It's like, well, I, I was trying to think on my feet already. I, I don't even want to read this. This um, <laughs> I'm just getting the sponsor in by reading this teleprompter, you know? Yes. So that's a, that's a great asset to come from that direction. I feel like from going from TV to radio, I feel like it's harder from going to radio to TV, even though everybody in radio kind of wants to go to TV at some point. It's a, it's a great, it's a great, um, you know, uh, uh, skill set to have first. One of the VPs at CMT, um, uh, got hired shortly after I started doing the countdown show on TV, uh, hot 20. And he, uh, he came from Larry King's show, which was of course the great talk show host on CNN. And he was Larry King's producer for years and years and years. So he had this like, um, mentality because you know, Larry did radio for years before he got on CNN with the suspenders, you know, and the glasses right. and the whole thing for the full hour. But, yeah. um, <laughs> but nonetheless, so my producer friend, uh, who became a VP on, uh, now at CMT, uh, understood like quickly that I had a unique skill set because I'd come from radio and then could transfer that to what we wanted to do on TV. So he got me right away, which was really a blessing. Uh, I'm so so glad that, uh, that that happened the way it did. And by the way, one of the things that Larry King, who I got to interview uh, years later, um, uh, partly because my friend at CMT had gotten him in our, our building and, and yeah. I said, hey, I, I want to interview Larry when he's here. So he came into my radio studio and we did a, a little interview and I used one of the things that he said to me that day um, in the book uh, as well, because it, was, it really stood out to me. He said, uh, I never learned anything when I was talking. And that struck me as like, oh, okay. It's good to shut up sometimes and listen to people. Because um, right. so often with like TV, radio personalities, it's all about us. And even in social media these days, there's so much chaotic chatter and people everywhere coming at you. Like, listen to me, hear me. Um, it really struck me that... Um, we need to take some time and listen to each other a little more often, hear each other's stories, connect, find empathy. And um, that's really one of the themes of the book that I, that I keep coming back to is that, hey, listening has been a huge part of my life. It's helped me when I've stopped long enough to listen to uh, people around me, um, to, to my, but also to my own self, to my own heart if, right. eventually, because we got to listen to ourselves and our own intuition at times to sort of get directions and navigate you know, and find our own little North Star. Right. Um, and so, um, that became really a, a huge theme of the book, stopping long enough, shutting up long enough to, to hear someone. Yeah. Here's the thing is the name of the book comes out October 19th. Um, that's correct, right? And actually we moved the date back, uh, to November 9th. You wouldn't believe this, but that's actually better of, for me. So perfect. Okay, good. Okay, good. Okay. I knew you were busy around the 19th. <laughs> of October, so, um, but they moved it back because of COVID, like all the production publication things happening. I mean, HarperCollins is like a huge book publishing company. Right. And uh, many of their books have had to be moved back, including mine. But um, I, I called up the, the, the HarperCollins, you know, president person. I said, do you need me to bring over a printer cartridge just to print the books up? And, <laughs> uh, and that's literally what I thought. Like, how did we not, how do you, why is there, it's COVID, right. I guess is the, is the problem. So anyway, it's moved back to November 9th, but you can pre-order now. All right. Yeah. So I saw it on there. Here's the thing I talked about it before you came on with me too. So we'll be plugging that. Um, you know, it's funny that you say that of listening is because, and people that may be listening to their young broadcasters or whatever, you get some of your best stuff by shutting up because like, let's talk about entering a country artist. You get somebody, a country artist out of their shell where they're not just hearing the same questions over and over and you get something from them that can take you down a completely different route on where you thought maybe you never would go. 
with an yeah. interview. And I have found that that is some of my best interviews where I just really heard what they had to say and wasn't like, okay, this is, I'm talking to Garth Brooks. I got my next question. I got to ask this person. So, but he might say something like, oh, I didn't know he thought that way. Or I didn't know he thought about that, about that artist or whatever. So let's talk about that. And the yeah. same is true. I think in, you know, we talk about morning radio is the funniest bits sometimes come from the callers. The listeners are, if you make uh, one of my first PDs, his name is Mike O'Brien. He said, make the listener the star and then or the caller the star. If someone's taking the time to call into your show, you get to talk all the time. Shut up. Let somebody hear somebody off the street talking who is not doing it professionally because they may give you the best, you know, just piece that you can just dive off. And it's so yeah. true to just shut up and just, you know, listen to uh, what you have in front of you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I always tell people like I, I want to be like prepared for every interview to the point where, yeah, I have a card or um, there are bullet points of things right. that I think we want to talk about. But you want to be so prepared that you can let the conversation go any direction. And you're absolutely right. Sometimes the best stuff is stuff you had not planned. It's like, whoa, uh, whoa, let's stop and talk about yeah. that a little more. And yeah. that comes from just being a good listener and then following up on whatever that person uh, is, is talking about. Yeah. There, there yeah, countless times probably in your interviews over the years, you've experienced that and I have too. Now the opposite side of that is, there's artists out there that you got to pull something out of and it takes a long time, even if they're shy or if they too cool or whatever. And it's like, thank God for those bullet points. Cause we would have been here a long time. Yeah. So it's about I, making someone human at the end of the day too. Like I, I have found even in the most difficult situations, uh, our, our interviews with an artist, uh, how do I make like Toby Keith is a very, He's a great guy. Over the years, I've gotten to know him much better than I did that first interview because the first interview was a little bit bumpy. And I'm like, it's, he's so intimidating. He really is like this bigger than life, big right. dog dad kind of character. And it's like, how do you break through that a little bit? Right. Just go a little humanness. And I found that the way to do that with Toby was his kids. You know, we started talking about football and how his son was playing ball and how he, um, uh, how he got taught by his dad how to play ball. You look for something human and, right. and then try to hit that because, and that lets them know that you care about more than just, you know, the latest album because they're getting asked Absolutely. like that all the time. Right. Um, and by the way, relating to them uh, by sharing your own stories is kind of good too. I, I've always found that to be helpful, not to make it all about you necessarily, but to relate on a human level uh, makes, I think someone feel comfortable. They can tell you more. Well, I'll give you the example. I'll give you my example of Toby Keith. It was Trace Atkins. Yeah. Uh, I probably interviewed him three times. Not only is his voice intimidating, yeah. uh, he is a giant human being. Um, yeah. and, and, and people who have not met him in person, he literally is uh, six, six, I think. Yeah. He's got to be, right? Right. No, he's a big dude. So here's where we broke through. He tells me that he enjoys watching my 600-pound life during dinner. That was our jumping point. So then I go, hold the line. I have no, I don't, I don't care about your song. I don't care about anything. You eat and you watch my 600 pound life. How does that work? <laughs> you know, I don't know, man. It just comes on TV. I find it entertaining. I thought that is so ironic and hilarious at the same time. And that's, I never would have got that if I didn't ask him, oh, man, what's Trace Atkins do when he's sitting on the couch or whatever, you know, like, cause you know, it is fascinating because you see these guys that, you know, we, you, you joked before we jumped on here, let me put my radio voice on and everybody goes, let me hear my radio voice. It's like, this is how we talk. Um, and you think to these, these stars, you're like, what are, you, are these guys just, sometimes their answers are so corporate or canned or perfect yeah. or you know, whatever. And that's because they're protecting themselves and they're promoting what they need to promote. And they've got a lot of people in their ears. But you get an answer like that and you get someone out of their shell and make them a human like you talked about. It's like, that's awesome to think of Trey Sacken, six foot six, with the deepest voice and these yeah. hardcore dude with big old boots sitting there watching my 600 pound life. It was fantastic. I love yeah. it. So, yeah, I love Trace actually. Trace and Toby, they're very similar that way, um, I feel. Um, and it's interesting because they always request me now for interviews. Uh, mm. Like, Trace will go out of his way to make sure I'm the guy on CMT he's talking to. Like, we did a. Um, we did a thing in uh, Florida here a couple months ago with Trace down at one of the bases, uh, Air Force Base outside of Pensacola. And um, 
and uh, we did a great like day with the troops and did a lunch and um, and then uh, interviewed all kinds of uh, men and women who serve our country and um, and got to do some really cool things there on the on the base driving like a little Humvee thing and um, go inside one of the flight um, uh, simulators uh, so a lot of really cool stuff yeah um, and I'll never forget just you know, the genuine sort of connection we've made as friends over the years, even though we are starkly different people. Right. (laughs) And let that be a lesson also that uh, we don't have to agree on everything. We don't have to, you know, um, see eye to eye on every issue, particularly political these days, because everything is so polarized politically. Um, And by the way, we can be, you know, uh, we can be living different lives, lives and, um, and, and also find a connection that works because I like his music. I like him as a person. Right. Um, so finding that similarity, that commonality instead of that difference, yeah. um, I think is one of the secrets as well. Cause we could, we could spend all day talking about differences, but w- never realizing we probably have more in common than we have that is, that is different. You know, Cody, I think that's a great transition. And, um, um, I think it's, uh, your story is incredible. And I think in the last, even, even, I don't know, six years, it's been kind of even more incredible where maybe you didn't think that way. You didn't think that we could focus on the similarities more than the differences where it was hard for you to think that way because uh, before you came out and announced this, I mean, you, you then it blew up and Rolling Stone and you got, well, I'll let you tell the story of what kind of brought you to the point where you say, you know what, I want people to know the real Cody Allen. I want people to know me because I feel like what you just said right there, you might not have always thought that way. Yeah, no, I, I didn't always think that way. In fact, I was most of my life, um, everything's been very, shall we say, black and white. There was not a whole lot of gray. Um, and so I thought things were one way or another. Um, realizing my whole life I was gay. I, there was never a point where I didn't think that I was. Um, even though I got married to a woman um, and had kids and none of that I regret. We're still the, like the best of friends today. Um, she's amazing and my kids are great. But, um, you know, it was a, it was a generation um, that was way different than what we live in now. And there was a little bit of societal sort of like pressure to get married. And certainly religion played a part, at least for me, in that um, because I wanted to do what I thought was right. Um, and yet over the years, I became really down and, and sort of this happy-go-lucky guy on television that had this secret that he was always keeping. And I also felt like I was lying all the time, that I wasn't being like an honest man. Uh, I, I, I always believed that I, I needed to be a person of integrity. Um, and when you're keeping a secret like being gay or whatever, I, uh, I, I think that you constantly feel like you're having to fake it. And that's no way to live. And so once I started to figure out that that was that something had to change that I was not happy with where I was. I started to sort of unravel the onion. Um, I talked to my, um, my ex and told her, and again, I go through all this in the book. So if people want to read more about it, they can't, I'll just make it quick for you. But, um, yeah, we, we started working on like what to do about my problem, my problem at the time, uh, which by the way, most of my life saying the word gay was really, I'd never wanted to say it. It was like a bad word and it, it just kind of made me feel yuck. Um, now I wear it as like a badge of honor because it's totally a hundred percent authentically me. And whether people agree or disagree on the topic, like at least, you know, I'm being completely real with you. Right. Uh, there's nothing that uh, I did to cause this. I don't believe being gay is a choice. And why would you choose it? Um, um, uh, now I would cho- choose it because it's actually, it feels good to live your life and be real. Um, but uh, I, I, it, was, it was an evolution that I had to come to, not necessarily a revolution. Mm-hmm. It was sort of evolved. And um, so going back to your question, which was about that moment uh, and coming out, it was really scary, to be honest with you. Um, but I, I knew that I, <laughs> I knew that I had to let it off my chest, that I had to let it go. Um, and I knew there were probably a lot of people who I might be able to affect positively if I said and told the truth. Um, and so I did. And, um, that was 2017, um, got lots of great, 
uh, feedback and um, input and um, reactions from the country music world, which was awesome. Um, Were you surprised by that? Yeah. You yeah, said, I, I, before well, you answer that, let me ask you, just, do you think that in this genre of work or this format that we call country radio and TV in your case, um, do you think that this was especially hard for you or even you thought it was going to be harder than maybe coming out maybe in a top 40 world or something like that? Did you feel that way? Yeah, absolutely. Because there okay. weren't a whole lot of people to look around and see, see that had, had come out or... We certainly didn't even have any stars um, at the time. I mean, T.J. Osborne, yeah, pretty amazing. Now for Osborne, that's a big deal because he's such a. They're such a big deal that that uh, duo. Uh, I mean, you did have voices like Ty Herndon and you know Shelley Wright. I want to give total credit to mm. to them for speaking up. But at the time, there were just no current people who had who had said anything. So yeah. like, I felt. Yeah, I did feel scared because of that. I thought, well, are people going to listen or watch anymore or Will they um, think of me differently? Um, and so I, I really made a point that day and have since that I'm still the same guy I was before. You just happen to know a little more about me. And I happen to be more honest with you now than I was then. And it's interesting because people love when you're real with them. Like I have gotten more people who said, hey, I appreciate what you said. I'm country. Uh, I love country music. I'm gay also. Thank you for stepping up. And on the flip side of that, I've gotten people who may not agree with me or, you know, in being gay right. or LGBTQ plus, whatever. Um, but they respect that I'm real and I'm not, and I'm not, I'm not being dishonest with them. And I think there's something about that connection that I've been able to make that's, um, that I didn't expect. Um, and that has been really great with the audience. Um, again, they know that I'm, authentic and hundred percent real. So, and that's a really good thing for what it is that I do and you do. I think it's pretty amazing that something that you thought was, uh, and I think this could be true with a lot of things, but for your story, the one thing that you wanted to hide the most ended up being the one thing that maybe connected you the most to more people than you ever thought. Yeah, that is so true. Um, it, 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 uh, and all the things previous to that, all the things previous to that, just make your story that much greater and let you connect with more people. Don't you think? I think so. Definitely. You know, I heard Robin Roberts, um, good morning America host, um, say, uh, one time in an interview with, with me, she said, uh, make your mess, your message. Mm. And I thought, uh, yeah. wow, that's really, that's pretty strong. I, I, I should embrace this difference, this thing that's different about me and, and let it, um, let it be a positive rather than a negative because I thought for so long it was such a negative. And um, I did flip the script and, and have made it a positive for me and my life and for my career. Um, and I think people appreciate that, that, that I'm not, um, that I'm not faking, that I'm, I'm not faking it. Right. And I, I, there is a license now to be a little more open, to be a little more honest. Um, I can have this conversation with you now. Sure and not feel like I have to tell you anything but the truth. Yeah. Um, so, and that's a beautiful, wonderful, freeing thing for anybody, no matter what your truth is. And there's a lot of people with, um, you know, things going on in their lives. They feel like they need to get out and be and, and relieve themselves of. And I would encourage people to do that. The, the more honest and true and uh, the more we can walk with integrity, the better we are, the happier Thanks. we are being a public figure and now having this story, do you feel a, a bigger responsibility? Yeah, I didn't expect that in the beginning. Like I thought I, I, it was really for me in the beginning. Like it was so, somewhat selfish, be. you know, cause I just, it was a matter of years and years and years of heartache and, um, and, and sort of like not knowing what to do, how to deal with it. And then once you release it, um, you then realize that it's affecting other people, what you said and did. And I've heard TJ Osborne say this a little bit too. Like I didn't expect that there was going to be this um, uh, deep sort of like want to not only help people, who, you know, who are affected by what you said, but that you want to represent and be an advocate. Because um, I didn't set out to be a, um, an activist or anything like right. that. It was just more about my own personal like decision. Um, but now 
Yeah, I enjoy like embracing and learning more about the LGBTQ plus community, which I didn't know, I knew nothing about. I just knew my own story, my own feelings. And uh, now I've been able to be a part of some great organizations and help out lots of other people and realize that there's a lot of people who uh, aren't the stereotype, aren't the perception right. you have in your head of what gay looks like. And, um, and likewise, uh, with country music, there comes along a stereotype or perception of what country music people look like and uh, yeah. what they like. And so I've been able to, I think, um, uh, learn from both those stereotypes that it, they're totally not, not everyone is the same. Says that, Cody Allen as he's wearing a camo sweatshirt, by the way. That's true, actually. Well, I love my camo. <laughs> and I love my hoodies. I'm just kidding. As you sit there in your camo hat. Yeah, no, no stereotypes here, my friend, when it comes to country music. <laughs> 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 I, I interviewed Mickey Guyton last week. She's a uh, black African-American um, uh, singer, songwriter. Incredible. Like, and to hear her story or Jimmy Allen's story, yeah. you know, it's like I can relate somewhat to some of that, that um, when you're different and in uh, a format or industry that is thought to be all sameness, uh, you, you do stand out when you speak up. And um, I think it's a wonderful thing. I think it's what makes country music great also is that we can uh, have guys like you and I who enjoy our camo. <laughs> but there are a lot of other people who like can right. be different. And that, that variety, that, um, that, uh, that mix of different people is, I think, a beautiful thing. Yeah, you know what? And I think that you, you may know this or may not know this, but you don't just um, help me with the letters because I always mess them up. LGBTQ plus. <laughs> you got it. There's a plus at the end now. So I just want to make sure I got that. I don't want to be offensive. I, I don't want to be offensive by any means. But you know, not just that community, but me in general. And, a, and, a, and, a, and as a straight male, you've opened my eyes to, you know, that community of, of, oh my gosh, we do have a lot of similarities. I didn't know. And that was my ignorance. I didn't know. I didn't take the time to think about it. But you and I connecting through radio and stuff like that and getting to know, and I'm not going to pretend I know everything about your life, but getting to know you on a personal level where you and I talk like this and it's great. And it's like, dude, I, I want to hang out with that guy all the time. He's a great dude. I, you know, and I, I think I might've been a little scared of that community before. And I think that you are not just helping out people of part of that community, but you're helping people like me as well. Understand that, you know, yeah. I hope I'm articulating that correctly. I, I, I just yeah. don't you know where I'm coming from on this. Absolutely. And so we're going to the gay club when you come to Nashville next time. I'm, <laughs> Which, by the way, uh, I'm down. I'm, I don't want to buy drinks. This sounds awesome. <laughs> uh, we'll go to a drag show. I actually knew nothing about any of that. I had never been to a gay club. I'd never been to a drag show or anything, again, um, related to being gay, except I knew that I was, uh, until I came out. And so afterwards, um, I, I got to experience all those things for the first time. Right. And, you know, you, you realize, again, that there's commonalities there, that we're all kind of the same, and that gay doesn't look all the ways that you think it does or act all the ways that you think it does, that every, there's a variety everywhere in every sort of, like, uh, tribe. And um, that is true in our, in our community as it is in country music. Well, you're an inspiration for sure, man. I know you've inspired a lot of people and, you know, we sure. get to see the tweets too of people tweeting at you and all the love that you've seen from the, just the, the country community and, and people probably that we've been struggling with it for a long time like you are. So that's got to be definitely rewarding. Uh, yeah, it's awesome. So Cody Allen now established, uh, has a great story. He has a book coming out. Here's the thing comes out November 9th. 9th. We never know. That may be pushed back for some other reason. <laughs> no, no it's no, coming out November 9th. Yes. Yeah. Pre-order now. If not, it will be coming out on book on tape read by Cody Allen. Yeah, I did the audiobook, which was a whole different, like crazy did experience. You really? Yeah, yeah. I did the audio book. Oh so man. You can order me telling you all the stories, uh, me reading it for you word for word if you want. Um, or get the paper, you know, version, whatever whatever you prefer. But uh yeah, it's, it took me like three days of, you know, being locked in a studio um, with bad air conditioning, by the way. It was in the middle of summer uh, back in July. And because uh, and, uh, they don't want the AC on in the little studio room. Right. Because it makes white, white noise behind you. So they're like, okay, we got we to gotta shut it off for a little while while you're doing this. So it, it was a hot, 
blistering hot experience. Uh, when you listen, just picture me in like 85 degree studio reading to you. Uh, but no, it was really fun. And um, I, I'll tell you that it was really harder than I thought because I'm used to talking on a microphone. So I thought mm. it would be easy. But when you're reliving some of those stories as you're reading them, I got emotional and it was very, um, yeah, there's a lot of ups and downs. <laughs> I do tell all these emotional things I've just shared with you, but I also, you know, I've had a lot of really fun memories and country music adventures over the years that have um, opened my eyes to, you know, things I never would have thought I would have ever experienced, um, you know, from taking a uh, cold uh, ice bath with Dirks Bentley to um, meeting Garth Brooks for the first time. I tell that story, which was like an out of this world experience as well. Uh, you know, everything from Blake Shelton, Carrie Underwood, all, all these stars I tell stories about. Oh, in the pick, book. I got to pick up a couple of names here. Hold on. Sorry. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> Sorry, there's well, a couple I've names been, you just I've dropped there. So, My goodness. I've been lucky. I've been lucky to meet all these people and have, like, Keith Urban, he wrote the foreword yeah, for the I book. I saw that. Yeah. Which I can't even believe. I mean, How's if that you come about? Me, I literally called, I mean, I, I went the right way. I, I called his people first. Um, Keith and I have gotten close over the years, and he's one of the first stars, our artist friends, that I really came out to. I, uh, and he was so incredible um, in that moment. I tell this whole story in the book. I, I, um, so I knew that I really wanted him to write the forward if he would. Um, but I went to his management side and said, yeah. hey, can you just tell Keith about this? Like slip him a little note and see if he's even like remotely open to it. And I got an immediate answer from Keith and the whole group uh, his whole management group. And they said, absolutely. Um, and so he wrote the foreword and uh, I, I still can't believe it to this day, but yeah. So uh, yeah, I'm really thankful for, for the chance to have so many of these people like live in my town in Nashville and, and to have gotten to know them over the years. It's, it's a little weird, like watching Nicole Kidman on nine perfect strangers yeah. and thinking like, I am one step from that superstar. Right. <laughs> that is so weird. So. Um, but Keith is one of those great guys in the business. You know this. So just a great person. So uh, a, a tremendous human being. You know, he's had his own problems, which I think makes him more empathetic to uh, anyone who's suffered or had to go through a struggle like uh, uh, me. And we all go through something. But, you know, alcohol, drugs, he's, he came back from all those things, got himself sober, turned his life around. I mean, any comeback like that, I can, I can just appreciate because I feel like in many ways I've had to be kind of a comeback kid myself, you know? Right. Uh, well, it goes back to what you said, uh, the quote you gave us from uh, um, uh, the mess, what, turn your mess into, how did you, you a say message. Yeah, mess into uh, a yeah. message. It's the same thing. Yeah. I mean, we all got something and, you know, and you feel alone at times and you're like, no one's ever experienced what I'm experiencing right now. And it's the, the you could talk to a therapist, you can talk to anybody, but until you hear someone else say, I have thought that exact same way. That's like the best therapy in the world. Yep. You know, yep. my own anxiety and depression when I've talked to people and they go, oh my gosh, I, I get anxious about that particular thing yep. or whatever, or in that situation too. I go, I want to hang out with you. You know what I'm saying? I want to, I'm not, <laughs> the, I'm not a weirdo, you know, type of thing. So yeah, I love that. Yeah, I've had those same things. I've had uh, anxiety over, I think we all have over the past year or so because of the pandemic and just, the uncertainty of the future. And whew, I, yeah, I've had my own little bouts with that over the past year. Um, and it's, it's, you know, I had a panic attack that scared the hell out of me over the, I guess it was summer last year. And I thought I was having a heart attack. I don't know if you've had a panic attack before, but it's like, I have, I mean, you are, you are at that age that it could have been. <laughs> That's what I mean. <laughs> so, and I, I pride myself on being like a pretty <laughs> fit guy. <laughs> and like, I will go to cardio at Barry's boot camp and do the, all the things. And yes. I've never had an issue. So that's why it scared me at my age. Right. Thanks, Jerry. Uh, Dude, to, you, knew, you knew that was coming. You knew that was yeah, coming. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, you feel like your chest has like got pressure on it yep. and you get hot and it was, my palms got sweaty. And I just thought, okay. This is the end. Yeah. This is how it ends. And then I got checked out at uh, the hospital and, uh, and then later did like a full on cardio, whatever they call it, cardiograph. Right. Uh, and it was all good. It was all fine. And then, so they diagnosed it as just being, hey, you've got to control your, your anxiety. 
Yeah. And uh, so I can completely relate to, to what you felt and uh, like so many people. Yeah, you know, easier said than done for sure. I mean, I've walked off airplanes right before they were about to close the door because of anxiety attacks. Yeah, been like, uh, I can't, I can't be on this. I know this is coming, and I got to go. And yeah. so I had to walk off. So I totally know how that feels, and that's tough. Yeah. So, oh, then, oh, then you go even it, even once it passes, you, you go, well, what the hell was that? And then you try to make sense of that, and that's depressing. <laughs> Right. Because it's not even for me, and maybe maybe for you, the plane is like the trigger. Uh what are a trigger? Uh for me, these it happened for me out of nowhere. And uh, it wasn't because of it's almost subliminal. Like it it was not because of anything I was doing at the time. I think it had something to do with some caffeine and like creatine and like all these things I was taking in my body. Um so I've kind of tried to purify since then, but uh yeah, it's a scary thing. So I can totally empathize. We're, um, you know, in this business, I mean, we talked on the phone a couple of weeks ago about just like staying motivated and trying to progress. And it's kind of an adapt or die business. You know, where do you, someone who's accomplished so much, where do you look next for your next motivation? Or what is your next goal? Or what's the next level for you? Or are you at a point where it's like, I'm fulfilled and I want to keep doing what I do, but I want to do it better than anyone else? I think that's probably your thinking anyway, right? Yeah, I think I think I've gotten some peace with enjoying where I am um, and soaking up everything I can at this moment. Um, because I, for years and years and years, you're right. You're right. I you become this sort of ambitious animal mm-hmm. to the point where you know you're only worried about what's next. Right. And I think there is a balance you have to get where. Your ambition is important, but your ability, excuse me, to enjoy this moment is also there. Um, so for me, every day is still a challenge because you're doing so much. Like every interview is different. Right. I don't care how many times you've talked to um, Carrie Underwood. I still got to figure out something new to ask and some new way to make her interesting and entertaining. Not that she needs to be made interesting because she's already a superstar. Uh, but you have to bring those things out, like we were talking about earlier, and you know how to interview someone. Um, and so that's still challenging. Um, and the same is true for the radio stuff. We're doing that every day. Like I am, like every day we're putting out new shows. And so you know the grind of that, like coming up with, all right, what's the seven ten yeah. break? What's the seven <laughs> yeah, ten break? Yeah, what we got? Yeah. What do we got? How's it going to go? And it's every day. So I I relate it only to um, maybe like late night talk show hosts. I've heard you know Kimmel or Jimmy Fallon talk about how every day they have to go in and how it's, it is a grind to come up with new comedy sure. and new bits and there are obviously new guests every night. Um, and the same is true for what we do. I, I, it, people don't realize it's not, you don't just turn on the microphone. It really is a lot of prepping and planning and making sure everybody in the room is on the same page. Right. And um, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot that goes into it. So to me, that's still challenging. I don't, I don't get, I'm not bored with it. Um, uh, so I still want to do it forever and ever. Uh, amen. Um, oh man, so. <laughs> jeez, the plugs today by you, unbelievable. <laughs> Randy Travis, baby, Randy yeah, Travis. That's right, one of the best for sure. Um, Cody, I just can't thank you enough for your time, man. You, uh, you're a busy dude. I mean, as you can see, the background behind you. If you guys are watching this on YouTube. He's. What are you going on the air soon? You have to do anything else for CMT today? I have to edit today. I'm. I've got some. Uh, uh, pieces and bits for the show tonight and uh, tomorrow uh, and a couple of interviews I'm editing down too. So um, like you with the Vox Pro, which is like the main editing device. Yeah, at least let's, for get, let's get nerdy big time right now. Let's get nerdy. Vox tell, the, Pro. tell the kids at home about the Vox Pro. Google that Vox Pro kids. <laughs> and no, man, I, yes. Go ahead. It's my best friend, the Vox Pro. It's like, oh. yeah, the Vox sure. Pro, my dog, Teddy, they're my two best friends here. There you go. Uh, just a simple thing. If you're have no idea what we're talking about, Vox Pro helps you edit phone calls and interviews and stuff like that. So it's just like, it's yep. like a video game that we use in the, uh, in the radio <laughs> station. Um, Hey man, again, so been, it's been so awesome getting to know you for the last few years. And you're such a good dude. Like I said, from the start of this, what a, what a genuine person and, uh, lucky to know you and call you as a friend. And, um, thank you for being so open, man. And, and, and tell me about your story. I mean, I know I'd heard it before, but I think people are really going to be touched by this from you know people that are listen to this podcast and people just know you and 
Um, I appreciate you, brother. Yeah, that means the world to me. Thank you for saying that. I, uh, I do appreciate you as well and appreciate the friendship over the years. I, uh, yeah, I hope people know that, um, you know, there's all, all these things that are kind of mushy and emotional in the book. Um, and certainly all of them relate back to my story, but, and all the radio stuff is in there too. But I, I, I do tell a lot of fun stuff as well. So I hope Cody's a funny guy, everybody. I just want everybody to know that Cody is very funny and rarely not serious. Funny. Rarely it's not serious. Funny. It's just fun. We have, I, there's a lot yeah. of wacky, um, you know, country music stories in there. So enjoy. Yeah. Just know, by the way, that I, we should mention this too. This is probably the most serious conversation I've ever had with Cody because there's not a lot of <laughs> there, you, a lot of joking around usually happens. So I bet you the book is fantastic. There's there's that, and there's also also I feel like most of the times we're together, um, we are there's drinking involved is the other thing. So I believe it. <laughs> Dude. Now there's, there's usually a few drinks involved and that's when the good stuff comes out. You know, okay. that. you and tequila are ridiculous, <laughs> by the way, right. the Bahamas, thank God I didn't come to your little, this, by the way, everybody, I'm sitting here, I'm, I'm slumming it in some small room in the Bahamas. This guy's got a villa. He's like, hey, everybody back to the villa. <laughs> I don't know well, how I did. I, I don't know how I missed. I, I'm glad I didn't go. Cause I heard people were just everywhere and uh, it was pretty wild, but I, yeah, Cody's a pretty wild guy. No doubt. A about what? It. You're a pretty a wild what? guy. You're a wild guy. Rum punch does it. Like the rum punch they have there at the uh <laughs> That's at the sandals. <laughs> yeah. That was a wild trip. <laughs> it was fun. <laughs> I'll yeah, listen, we could tell it now, but I remember being there and um they found me in the elevator. They I was uh just riding the elevator up and down. Didn't know <laughs> didn't know which floor to get off on and uh, not proud of it, but uh right. And finally, the third time that I hit the lobby, uh, someone from the uh, wonderful people that are running this event said, uh, would you like us to help you to your room? And I said, absolutely. <laughs> I, do, I need that. <laughs> Great stories, man. Well, thank you so much, brother. I will see you soon. I promise I will come to Nashville, hang out. Uh, I want to see Teddy. I want to see Trey. I want to see all you guys. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. I'm, uh, if whatever, for whatever it means, man, I'm proud of you and I admire you and uh, I look up to you, my man. Thank you. Back all at right. you 100 then thanks, JR. I really appreciate it, man. You Take care. It.